Well, if you will, turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. We're going to look at verses 22 through 33. It's on page 1520 in your pew Bibles, if you want to turn there. Um, or if you prefer, we're going to have the words on the screen for you. Matthew, 15, Matthew 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thus ends our reading of God's saving word. May all who hear it find their courage in Christ. Have you ever been in a position where you thought you were going to die? Perhaps you were in an accident and were badly hurt. Or maybe you were involved in some, some kind of natural disaster and you weren't sure that you were going to make it out. Whatever the situation was, you feared for your very life. Early one morning in the summer of 98, I lost all functioning and feeling in the left half of my body. The paramedics were called and I was immediately rushed to the hospital. But while I was in that ambulance, I, I, I thought to myself, what if this is it? What if this is the last day of my life? Needless to say, I was terrified. Being a follower of Jesus is not for the faint of heart. Many times, the disciples found themselves in positions where their lives were at risk. And Matthew records for us two stories where these disciples were, were on a boat fearing, fearing that death had come for them. Where they thought that they too might be at the end of the road. The first was in, in chapter 8 when, where Jesus had calmed the storm. And now we see a similar account here in, in chapter 14. But for us to understand our story for today, we must first remind ourselves of what took place six chapters prior. Look back with me again at, at Matthew chapter 8, verses 23 through 27. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. 
Without warning, a, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. What kind of man is this? Ever since Jesus had calmed that storm, this, this had been a question that, that these disciples were pondering. And as time passed, they had gotten to witness incredible things. They saw Jesus heal the sick and cast out demons. They witnessed him heal the blind. The blind could see and the lame could walk. And they were there when Christ raised the dead. And now here in chapter 14, it was, it was just earlier that day that, that they saw him multiply the bread and the fish. What kind of man is this? If you recall, the reason Jesus fed the multitudes was because he did not want to send the people away. You see, that same morning, he, he had withdrawn by, by boat looking for some privacy. For he had just heard of how Herod had killed John the Baptist and that this wicked ruler was now viewing Jesus as a threat to his own power. And so Christ, wanting to get alone in order to pray to his father, he set sail across the Sea of Galilee in order to find a solitary place. But the people, they, they, they found out where he was going. And, and when he landed on shore, he, he saw that the masses were already there. And being the compassionate king that he is, he didn't force them to go away. Rather, he healed their sick and fed them so that they would not go hungry. But now evening was approaching, and, and so he sent his disciples on ahead of him in, in that same boat to their next destination. He, however, remained behind in order to dismiss the crowds. Look at verse 23. After he had dismissed them, he, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Before Jesus would follow after his disciples, he, he would finally get that breather that he was looking for. Matthew includes this little detail as a, as a reminder to us of Christ's human nature. Being fully man, he was in need of rest and replenishment. He was in need of, of spiritual sustenance. And he would get that sustenance by connecting with his Father. It was just earlier that day that Jesus looked after the physical needs, the physical sustenance for the multitudes. But man does not live on bread alone, but, but, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. And that is why he, he went up on that mountain, in order to be alone, in order to pray. 
But as his father nourished him from above, Jesus' disciples, they, they were not at rest. No, they were hard at work. Look at verse 24. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. These disciples were having a hard go of it. They, they were battling against strong winds and, and, and the waves that had formed. And now, uh, now, on a normal evening, they, they, they could have made this journey in, in six hours or less. But it was now the fourth watch of the night, somewhere between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. This meant that they had been at it for some nine-plus hours. And the only progress that they had made was that, was that they were in the middle of the lake somewhere. Talk about an uphill battle. These men had to be both frustrated and exhausted. Yet in the midst of all of this, what did they see? A figure walking on the water. Now, when I was a kid and I heard this story told, I had always imagined this, this peaceful image of Jesus stepping onto this glassy sea, barely making a ripple with each footfall. But that is not how this passage describes this moment. No. The, the, the wind was, was wailing and, and the waves were buffeting against the boat. And there, was, there was nothing peaceful about it. It was dark. It was loud. It was chaotic. And these disciples were spooked. Look at verse 26. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Now you have to understand the, this reaction that these men had was very reasonable. You don't have to have a modern scientific mind to understand that human beings are not capable of walking on water. Take a moment and, and put yourself in their shoes. What would you be thinking if you had seen what they had seen? The most logical explanation was that this was some sort of apparition, a harbinger of doom, some disembodied spirit heading in their direction. This is why they cried out in terror. These men thought that they were going to die. The unknown had come to them walking upon the water, and they recoiled in fear. When I was in that ambulance, not knowing what would happen to me, I became very afraid. Would I live? Would I die? And if I did live, if I did survive, what type of life would I have? If I could no longer move or have feeling in the left half of my body, what would I be able to do? And I began thinking about, about my own future and all the stuff that I would miss out on. Things that I would never get to do or enjoy. Like, like playing basketball again. Or going swimming in, in the ocean. And if I died, what then? I, I would never have a chance to get married. Or to have kids. Or to become a missionary like I wanted to be. Fear 
had gripped my heart. I often wonder what was going on in the minds of these disciples as they were cowering in their boat. Where were their fearful thoughts taking them? Perhaps they too had future hopes and dreams that were, that were slipping away as they looked upon the terror that approached them. This ghost, this, this apparition represented death. And there was nowhere there where they could run, nowhere to hide. For not only were they trapped by the confines of their small boat, but, but they had been immobilized by the dread that they felt. But it was at that moment, that moment of terror, that they heard a voice. The voice. The voice of the only one who could allay their fears. Look at verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. The words of our Lord, though they be few, can turn a despairing heart into one that is filled with hope. Take courage. Don't be afraid. These were not suggestions, but commands. They were imperatives from our Lord. Christ was ordering his disciples to be resolute, to face the unknown. Now, these words that were spoken could have been said by anyone, but only the right voice could make them effective. How many of you remember the cartoon Underdog? For those of you who don't know, he was, he was basically like Superman, but a dog, right? But do you remember what Underdog would always say? There's no need to fear. Underdog is here. Of course, it was always his sweetheart, Polly, who needed saving. But when she heard Underdog's voice, she was always reassured that she would be rescued. And why was that? Because Underdog was more powerful than any of the danger that she faced. I think in a similar manner, this must have been how, how the disciples had felt when they heard Jesus' voice. This one who could heal the sick, cast out demons, and even calm the storm. He had finally arrived on the scene, and his commanding voice brought them peace. But there was something more to what Jesus said as well. Sure, the words take courage and don't be afraid dispelled their fears. But Christ, he, he wrapped these words around something else. He said, it is I. Being translated into English, we, we lose a little of the meaning and the impact of such an expression. The, the, the Greek phrase here is ego eimi, or literally, I am. Jesus is subtly disclosing to his disciples his true identity. He is Yahweh, the great I am. He is God taken upon human flesh. He is the, the, the very one who answered Moses through the burning bush when he was asked about his name. Look again at Exodus 3, verse 14. 
God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. These disciples who were fearing for their lives had their hearts strengthened by the voice of Yahweh. And he said to them, take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. Emboldened by this, it was Peter who, who spoke out. Look at, look at our next verse, verse 28. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Talk about faith. Talk about courage. This request is bold. It, it, it's daring, even if it's a bit absurd. If it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. Remember, human beings cannot walk on water. And yet here, Peter wanted to try it. But if you really think about it, it makes perfect sense. For Peter had been trained and even been given the authority to do the exact sort of miracles that Jesus had been doing. So why shouldn't he walk on the water when his master was doing that very thing? Peter was a man of great faith. He trusted in Jesus. Of course, Jesus did not deny Peter his request, but bid him come. Let, let's see what happened next. Look at verse 29. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! While Peter is an example of mighty faith, he is also an example of doubt. He had enough trust to step out of that boat and to walk upon the water. But his faith was lacking when he looked away from Jesus and saw the chaos that was all around him. The wind and the waves took his focus off of Christ, and Peter's fear returned once more. Dear friends, it is our lack of faith that fuels our fear. When you doubt God and his ability to, to keep you safe, then suddenly all the scary things that surround you become significantly greater. This is why today you, you see a whole world living in fear. Because people are focused on their surroundings and not on Christ. Instead of wind and waves, we have a virus. And this virus is out of our control. And for the majority of people, they have let their circumstances take away any hope that they may have had for the future. Now, for those who don't know Christ, this is to be expected. The fear of death will tend to consume anyone who believes that this life is all there is. But unfortunately, many, many Christians have done the same thing. We, we have taken our eyes off of Jesus and have focused them on our surroundings. Listen, there, there are many things that will come your way that will seem chaotic and dangerous. And whether, and whether it's a virus or, or something else, these, these things will try to draw your attention away from Christ. 
But when that happens, for trust me, it happens to the best of us, I hope that you will be like Peter, who cried out, Lord, save me. Let's look at verse 31 and see what Jesus did. Immediately, there's that word again. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Jesus is always there, ready to rescue you, even in your doubts. And he doesn't hesitate, not even for a moment. When, when, when Peter's faith dwindled, what did he do? He turned back to Christ, to the only one who could save him. And it was there that he found the rescue that he needed. Rescue from certain death. Believe it or not, it was at that moment when, when Peter was closest to Jesus. Even more so when he was walking upon the water full of faith. For, for as he was sinking, he saw his great need for a Savior. And as we see our need, our eyes are opened up, and Christ becomes that much bigger. When I was uh, in that ambulance racing towards the hospital, believing that I was going to die, it was then that my eyes turned to Christ. I thought about Him and how He rescued me from my sins by dying on the cross. And how He had promised me an eternal home in His kingdom. And as I was praying to Him, my fear, it left. And it was not because I, I thought that He was going to let me live. It was because I, I knew whether I lived or died, I was safe. For at that moment, Jesus was grabbing my hand and pulling me up. Brothers, sisters, do you understand that you have a God who, who, who rescues you in spite of your little faith? Whatever your trials may be, He is right there keeping you afloat. And if you look His way, if you turn your eyes towards Jesus, what you will discover is that He is closer to you than you even know. I mean, after all, He died for you in, to, in order to pull you up from that water. And He offers you eternal life in His kingdom, free from the fear of the second death. And it is that kind of security, that kind of hope, that will bring you confidence in this life. But our story doesn't end with Peter's rescue. For this event would, would have an impact not only on Peter, but on the other disciples who were in that boat. Let's look at the end of our passage, verses 32 and 33. And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. 
just as he did before Jesus calmed the winds, creating order out of the chaos and delivering peace. And once again, these disciples are in awe of this man. But instead of asking the question, what kind of man is this? They already knew. For they worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. This is the first time that we see these disciples either using this title or, or worshiping Jesus. These men were growing in their understanding of who Christ is. Now, did they suddenly possess a, a deep understanding of all the theological and Christological trappings that, that come with such a confession and with the act of worshiping this man? Of course not. These were just men caught up in, in a moment of time where Jesus had, had pulled the curtain away, revealing to them a little more of himself. They couldn't help but, but to bow down and to call him the Son of God. But as we'll see as we continue through Matthew's Gospel, that, that these men, they would waver back and forth. Just like Peter, who, who, who went from a mighty faith as he was walking upon that water to, to, to doubting in the blink of an eye and sinking. So too, these disciples have moments of complete trust, followed by nagging doubts. But are you or I any different? Is your faith so rock steady, so rock solid that, that you don't have any moments of uncertainty? If you're honest with yourself, you will, you will see that you are not all that different from Peter. Whether you are a new believer or have been at this thing for 50 years, you still need Jesus. You need him to, to grab onto your hand and to, and to pull you up. For he is the one that is steady and rock solid. And he takes what little faith that, that, that you're bringing to the table and he brings you close to him. And he doesn't let you go either, even in your moments of doubt. Why? So that you might worship him and confess that, that he is truly the son of God. You see, the, the, the climax of the story is not the walking on the water, nor is it even the stilling of the wind and the waves. Rather, it is the worship of Jesus and this declaration that he is the Son of God. Jesus is the great I Am. He is the one who walks upon the water and drives away your fear. And he commands you to come to him, O you of little faith. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your Son. He comes to us in, in our darkest hour. When we are afraid and, and losing hope, he commands us to take courage, reminding us of who he truly is, the great I Am. Fill us now with your Holy Spirit that we might believe this message. Help us to keep our eyes focused upon Jesus. Take what little faith we have and turn it into a strong confession and worship of you. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.